Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Thank you, Ben, for leading us so powerfully in worshipping our God today. Yeah, what an honor it is for me to be sharing and encouraging you with God's word. I don't take this lightly and uh, I believe that God's got something for us all to take away, um, just to be encouraged, but also just encourages in our walk, not just here, but through the week. I just want to thank God for picking me up from the miry clay and setting me up for everything that God has for me. And I am absolutely grateful every day. I find myself in the mighty clay quite often and he's got to restore me, he's got to redeem me, he's got to help me and I, and I just want to acknowledge and thank God for that. I also want to thank us as a church, Global Heart Church and Pastor Jared for the opportunity to be here on staff and it's such a privilege um, to bring all the gifts and talents that God has to be able to serve the church and help, help people yeah. in the season. What a privilege, hey. We as a church have been talking about kingdom purpose. You know, Pastor Jared's been very um, strongly advocating to get into our kingdom purpose. And I just want to talk about that a little bit more today. But I just want to get some fundamentals out of the way, right? We as believers, as Christians, right, have a single purpose or a singular purpose or a primary purpose in our life. We are here to bring glory to God. We are here to bring glory to God. Let's get that very clear, right? It's, it says in, in the Bible, it says in Isaiah 43, 7, God is saying this, bring all who claim me as their God. I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. So if we acknowledge that God has created us and has given us the restoration to be called his children, then we are here to glorify him. The Bible talks about this time and time again and just goes um, to the importance of everything that you do in the season. So it says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink, right, all the simple things, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So we have this responsibility that our first responsibility is to bring glory to God in everything that we do. But do we really go about this every day in our every doing, in our every task with bringing glory to God? I can certainly come every day at the end of a day with a long list of confessions of how badly I've done. It was all about me my aspirations, my desires, my needs. I want to do this. Can I get this done? Can I have this? There's a lot of I, me, myself, and everything else about me. God is a distant second in some of those things. I just want to encourage us today that today, us gathering has a very important purpose. That is to bring glory to God. But us going out into the community also has a responsibility where we carry the responsibility of bringing glory to God. Whether you're in, in among your family, whether you're among your friends, or whether you're playing footy, whether you're eating or drinking, whether you're in your social networks, or in your relationships, in university, at work, in your business, whatever that looks like, you have to bring glory to God. 
That's what we are called to do. So what does that really mean is what I wanted to unpack today a little bit more. See, for me, the, the importance of the church is where I start, right? I don't start, when I say Jesus and his church is where it starts for me. I just want to encourage that, what is the church meant to do? Paul says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now, these are the gifts that Christ, Jesus, gave to the church. Jesus gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. So, Jesus has given these gifts to the church. It is their responsibility to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. So we are here to help equip everyone to go build up the body of Christ. Now building up the body of Christ doesn't just mean on the Sunday. It actually means through the whole week. Right? And it talks about, you know, maturing the, the body of Christ and actually making it work together and, and Steve shared so powerfully about the, the role everyone plays, right? It says in 4.16, I just want to read that again. He's, he makes, he, this is Jesus, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. That is you and I playing a part, right? And each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. So we have a clear purpose in this house, and that could be in car park, could be in cafe, could be in door, could be in welcome, could be praying for somebody, could be ushering, could be the production team, the count team, whatever team you are serving in, you are coming in and plugging into the body, right? You are a part of this body, and he makes you fit together perfectly. Jesus makes you fit together perfectly. You are outworking a special work. But it's not just growing you, but growing the other parts of the body. So that the whole party or the whole body is healthy and growing. Hey, I just want to give you a big clap. You know, I just want to honor you and I want to thank you for everyone that calls Global Heart home, comes in, serves, gives faithfully, supports the work. Can we give ourselves a big we honor you and we thank you for, for everything that you bring. But us, kingdom purpose in the house establishes and empowers us for our work in the community. For our kingdom purpose in the community. And, and for me, that has been a strong difference in my life. As I started to put the things of God first, as I started to put the house of God first, everything else came from that Everything else happened from that. You know, God has built my house. God has built my family. God has built my work. And my friendships and everything else comes from me having a clear understanding of my purpose in God's house. I just want to talk about three constructs today that gives you how your kingdom purpose in God's house unlocks your kingdom purpose in the community. Is that good? So I want to talk about three constructs. And, and really, they are identity, the approach, and position. I want to talk about identity, approach, and position. When we accept Christ and become, you know, Christians, and we have made a, a pact with eternity, we've got an eternal plan that we've been a part of. God's given us this opportunity, right? It's a covenant. It's called a covenant. But we also take some responsibilities in this covenant. It's not a one-way thing. It's a two-way thing, right? So the first thing it says... Our identity in God's house as believers is that we are ministers. Our identity is ministers. So you go from 
just being believers to ministers, right? So it's, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, he, again Jesus, has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. Ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Holy Spirit. The old covenant, written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. So we have life and life eternal to be ministers. Ministers in this covenant with God. It actually talks about having a glorious ministry. Right? In, in, in further on in that, in that uh, chapter. But when we look at, you know, what does his ministers really look like? A great example is to look at the secular world or, or the world around us. What does a minister really look like? A minister has a portfolio. Really has a responsibility. Right? It could be home, health, defense, community, sport, whatever that looks like. You have a portfolio. You have a responsibility. When you look at it in the context of our church, you have the responsibility of you know, serving in cafe or, or helping out in kids. or There is a portfolio. You bring that ministership into that area. You lead, you serve, you come, you love, and you help everyone go forward and build each other as a body. Again, I just want to commend you for being great influencers and great ministers in the house. But we also have this outside context, right? In the community, what are we going to do? So we are, you know, that could be, you could be a stay-at-home mom, or you could be in school, you could be in university, you could be running a business, you could be, you know, at a job every day, sitting in front of a computer screen every day. doesn't really matter, but you have a context and a life outside of this four walls of the church. So what does that really look like? And what does this outside the house, what does the kingdom purpose outside the house happen or start with your identity clear inside the house? And I just want to talk about another ministry very quickly before I jump onto that. Our first ministry starts at home. Can I encourage you to just start and make sure that you're doing that ministry well? In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says, But those who don't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. I can't tell you the importance of that. That's pretty brutal, pretty straight. Don't ignore your family and your immediate responsibilities. Hey, pray, be encouraging, be, be firm, take authority, be a minister in your house. But anyway, let's say we do these things well, right? We do our ministry in, inside of God's house and we do our ministry in our family fantastically. But we have a, a much bigger responsibility. God has called us to activate this identity out in the world. He's asked us to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God in the community. So you have an identity as a minister in the house, which then translates to a responsibility of carrying God as an ambassador to the world we live in. Paul again says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. What a true privilege that we actually go out the Monday to Friday to actually be an impact for Jesus. You know, some of us don't recognize the importance of this or the responsibility of this. We can just ignore and be happy being a minister without actually being an ambassador. We have that dual responsibility. It's not just one. You can't behave. You come in really excited and holy during the week. Oh, sorry, during a Sunday. And then you walk away and it's like, that's a call, a distant future. Or a distant past. Right? 
Can I say, when you are an ambassador, you are not a messenger. Don't live your life as just messengers, right? I take a message, I pass on a message, I encourage somebody, but actually you have to live it. Like messengers are like really powerless, really, in some ways. You just transfer information. You take it from one source and push it to another destination. That's like being a paper pusher. You've got to take some responsibility here. Ambassadors are plugged into the core of the king, of the president. You work with the power of the king. You represent the kingdom and the kingdom of God out in the community. You are empowered and influential to carry the authority out into the community. You are... You are graced and you have the mercy and all of the things that God has for you to be able to be an impact out in the community. That's what an ambassador is, right? And Paul emphasizes this more in, in 2 Corinthians 2.15. It says, for we are to God, we are to God, the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are called to be a pleasing aroma. Not, not the perfumes we wear to make us smell good, but actually the aroma of Jesus to people out in the community. That's what our ambassadorship really looks like. Are we really sweet smell, smelling during the week or are we just kicking up a stink? How does this look in our day-to-day work? Hey, are we coming up with a genuine love for people every day? Are we fun to be around? When I said not just, you know, having frivolous fun, but actual joy. Are we having patience? Do we control our temper? Do we hold our ground? Is, are we showing self-control, restraint, not doing the things that you're... Are you kind? Are you generous? These are the kind of things that you need to translate into a workplace. Does, it doesn't take more than that. You don't need to come up, bring your Bible, tuck it in here, and keep bashing them with scriptures. That's not what this is. This is actually talking about just being a sweet-smelling aroma of Christ in the community. I just want to share a personal testimony. Before I became a committed Christian, I was an uncommitted Christian. I'll tell you what that looks like. (laughs) And, you know, I used to swear a lot. Apana knows me since probably I was 10 years old, so she's... And when you don't uh, have English as your first language, you've got to come up with really creative ways to swear. (laughs) just to show you how good you are in the language. Anyway, but, you know, when I became a committed Christian, right, I somehow felt the conviction about, um, about not having to use colorful language or having the same, uh, having multiple words with the same letter uh, to express and have adjectives and adverbs and all types of things to just display both appreciation and frustration, yeah. right? I had to literally stop, and I really felt convicted. So what, what I meant by an uncommitted Christian was when I come into church, that thing would stop. I wouldn't swear when I was in church. As soon as I stepped out into the workplace, it would just come back, and I would be colorful. <laughs> That's not the aroma. I was really kicking up a stink. But I just felt like, you know, I was convicted that I had to really seal my mouth and take that off me. And over, the, over, over many years, I did that. And, you know, it brought about a change in my workplace. And, I, and this took not a day, but five years. And I went into a workplace where there was a lot of swearing, and I wouldn't join in. I was still there, but I wouldn't join in. You know, I was called mocked. I was called being part of a cult and having an identity crisis, all of those things anyway. But then over a five-year period, when I would turn up into a meeting or when I would turn up into a room, they would stop swearing. 
I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't condemn. I didn't say that. All that did was they respected that I was offended in some ways and they just stopped behaving the way. So you can bring about a change in others by just being yourself, being true in your identity that I'm going to be a minister and carrying the heart of Jesus into these things. Right? What does a practical thing look like? Right? When you are running a business, let Jesus be the CEO. Pastor Jared keeps saying, let Jesus be the CEO of your life and your business and your work. Don't work for your boss, work for Jesus. God's looking at you. Turn up to work on time. Pull your weight. Go over and above. Be integrous. Carry your team. Look after your people. Are you a desired employee? I want to give this person a job. That's the kind of traits and characters you need to be carrying when you are bringing a sweet aroma of Jesus into your lives. That's the first thing is your identity as a minister in the house transfers into your responsibility of being an ambassador outside in the community. Are you good? The next thing I want to talk about is the construct of approaching things. How you approach things makes a massive difference in your effectiveness. Right? How you approach this. You have the identity now. The first approach when you come to the things of the house, of God's house, of God's things, is you come in with a fear and reverence of God. A reverence for the things of God. It says in Psalm 33, 8, 9. Let the whole world fear the Lord, the whole world, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began, it appeared at his command. We're talking about the God who created the heavens and the earth, right? We are talking about the God who created us. We have to have a reverence when we come to the things of God. We need a we need to make sure that we are approaching the things of God, the house of God, the service of God, every area that you come in, everyone you pray for, you come in with an awe, a reverence. You know, the, the Hebrew word here used for that word fear is yira, which actually translates to awe, awe just the awesomeness of, oh God, you're so overpowering, I have to pull back. I can't get close. I really need to pull back. That's really the word it is. You know, again, in the Greek word, there's, there's two words which sound very similar exclaiming or expressing this word fear. It talks about um, sobios or phobios. Sobios is when you have this position where you say, oh, this is so awesome. I have to genuflect. Your position is one that goes like this. You're going down in worship. That's your position. Whereas... Phobios is the fear where you start to cover and you're afraid. You are like getting into a fetal position. Those are what it talks about, dread and fear. But when we come to God, he's asking us to come with that awestruck, that kind of position. That's got to be the position of what it is. For me, you know, being on staff here in church, coming up here and being able to encourage you with the word, managing our teams, leading connects, whatever that looks like, I have to approach it with that reverence. I have to go, wow, God, I am not worthy of doing this, but through you, with your strength, give me the grace, give me the courage to actually be able to make this work. You need to have this kind of approach to this. Don't come in all haughty and cocky that I got this. God, thank you. Really, and, and I've done this in many ways. You know, I keep talking about one of the biggest leadership challenges that I've had in my life was when somebody asked me to lead a connect group. I'm usually a very confident, overconfident person. 
I really had anxiety attacks when they asked me to lead a clinic. I still say that's probably been the biggest ask that someone's asked of me. I couldn't sleep. I had, I had like little trembling. I just felt like, God, what have you done to me? <laughs> you know, I, had, I suddenly had the realization of the responsibility that I was carrying, speaking God into someone's life, you know, and bringing encouragement. But I had to go, you know, God really showed me that, okay, great, you have the right approach to this. He's going to grace me. He's going to help me. It's him that comes through me and not me anymore. So that's really how we need to be looking up when we're looking at serving here or doing things or encouraging or anything around church and his house. Let's come with the position of awe. Right? So when you do this, what happens when you come out in the community? When you take that step of awe and reverence, it empowers you to walk out in the community with faith-filled expectations. So you bring fear in the things of God and you walk out full of faith, ready to conquer, ready to take on, believing for miracles, making changes, breakthroughs in every area that you want. What is funny is sometimes we are absolutely fearful of the things outside and completely unafraid of the things of God. We have to reposition ourselves. God, your fear is going to help me have great faith and expectation because I've seen your awesomeness and what you can do in me. And you've got to believe that through me, you're going to make a big impact in the community. Can I encourage that? Let's make this position where we are bold, courageous, and ready to dream the impossible, keep declaring miracle territory, and we will see a big harvest in ways we can't even imagine. It says in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, now, this spirit of fear is the one where you go in, you know, draw in and you are, you are feeling, having a sense of dread. No, that's not it. Or timidity, but of power, of power, love, and self-discipline. Look at those combinations. You have power, love, and self-discipline. That's what you're carrying and the approach that you need when you're out in the community. You need to go in with power. You need to go with love. And you need to be self-disciplined. So can I say that don't, Forget your ministerial responsibility, the role of being an ambassador of Christ. This is in your universities, in your business, in your workplace. Everywhere you go, in your families as well, you need to bring faith. You need to declare God. You need to declare Jesus. You need to say, I don't know how I'm going to do with this. It might seem really hard, but I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to say, God, be with me through this, through this season. That really is what is going to create a victory. Right? So that is our kingdom purpose and our approach to our kingdom purpose in the house and out in the community. The, the third construct I want to talk about is one of pos, position or posture. Right? How do you position yourself in the house of God that then um, empowers you outside in the community? Right? The position we need to have is one of humility inside the house. You've got to take a note that all of these things, I'm talking about the, the three things I'm talking about, which is the identity of how you position yourself and the outside things God positions you. You position yourself in the house and God positions you outside in the community, right? So you come in with humility. The humility because you know, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for, for your salvation. God, you're so awesome. I am absolutely nothing. I need all of the strength that comes from you. You come in with that fear and reverence. This is a very important position and deliberate position to position ourselves. We need to have a clear 
revelation of who this awesome God and his free gift of salvation is. It, once you get that really and truly, it becomes easy. But it's a hard thing for us to keep doing it every day, right? So it says in Micah 6.8, this is God talking to his people. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. This is what he requires of you. Do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God is asking, he can say, you don't have a choice. That's how you got to walk, right? (laughs) I'm I'm anyway more awesome than you are. (laughs) You don't have a choice. But God is saying, you have to make the choice. You have to do what is right. This is what I require of you to position yourself in humility. To position yourself in humility in your walk with God. The, The opposite of that is absolute arrogance. We can be absolutely arrogant with God. We can be absolutely arrogant about the things of God. We talk about, you know, you know we, we get blessed week in and week out when people say, hey, how can we help? What can we do? You know, is this, is this actually helping? That's the kind of conversations that actually positions you with humility in the house. I've got to do that every day when I go into Pastor Jared and say, Pastor Jared, you know, I can get into this position and say, Pastor Jared, we should be doing this. Rather, I should be going saying, Pastor, if you do this, would this help? I've got to position myself in humility when it comes to the things of God to be able to make an effective. Don't be a know-it-all. Acknowledge your mistakes. Be quick to apologize. Quick to forgive. Forgive yourself. And the biggest thing really is to stop speaking and learning to listen. Just learning to listen. That is humility in a whole other way. And it starts in our walk with God. It starts with our walk with God. The, the, and the funny thing is that Bible is very straightforward about the value and the benefits of walking in humility with God. Now imagine the impact that we can have outside. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up in honor. He's not going to lift you up in honor about himself, but where you are positioned outside, he's going to lift you up in honor, right? So when we position ourselves with humility in the house, we then outwork godly wisdom in the community. Our kingdom purpose is to bring godly wisdom in the community that we serve, that we are. God is giving us this wisdom because we humble ourselves He gives us this priceless commodity, which is a big point of difference in the world today. People are hurting, people are lost, people are unsure of what to do next, where to go. There's a lot of searching, yearning. That's the kind of world that we are called into. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but that's the world we are walking into. They are lost. We have a responsibility, but we need to bring wisdom into that. As we are humble with God, God then pours out his wisdom on us to be an impact in the community. It says in Proverbs 22.4, True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. I want all three. I want riches, I want honor, and long life. But it has to start from us positioning ourselves humbly in our walk with God. We are called to be such a powerful impact to our community wherever you are, right? 
Life is full of challenges and as we continue to walk in that humility, we can be a point of difference. We can be the one that brings miracles because we walk in faith. We are the ones that can have a sweet smelling aroma that makes a point of difference in somebody's world. Psalm 25:9 says, "He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way." God has to teach us how to outwork our purpose in the community. God has to position us and help us to do right, but for us the choice is to stay and position ourselves to be humble. And my prayer today is that each and every one of us here gets this who our identity is from where our identity comes from it's because Jesus has extended his arm and his love to save us to reach us and to reconnect us with his father we need to understand that we don't take that ministerial responsibility that comes on our life but be ambassadors out in the community but we then take our approach of coming with that reverence every day every time we are here the things of god what a privilege what an honor thank you god that you have chosen me to be able to do this come position ourselves with that fear that will drive faith and miracles and outcomes that are supernatural out in the community that's what we got to be believing for and as we humble ourselves pastor it says you go to sleep slightly humble wake up fully proud that's me most days so i got to start every day i got to start by positioning my walk with god starting to understand the awesomeness of god every day humble myself ask for his grace ask for his purpose to come in and be encouraged because we're not here for earthly or temporal wisdom we're talking about godly wisdom the type of wisdom that it says in james 3 17 and 18 but the wisdom from above is first of all pure it is also peace loving gentle at, ta- at all times and willing to yield to others it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism and is always sincere and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace imagine that us going out in the community and planting seeds of peace peace is jesus right planting jesus everywhere we go as ambassadors to be able to reap a harvest of righteousness to be able to reap a harvest of right that's our responsibility ultimately so everything that we do by planting those seeds of peace is about bringing glory to god we said that that's the reason we are here for as we go out to study as we go out to work as we run and manage people as we look after our kids at home whatever that looks like it has to be that plant in a seed of peace planting jesus so we can reap a harvest of righteousness can i get you to stand up as the team's going to start to lead i just want to pray that hey this harvest of righteousness this ultimate purpose to expand god's kingdom to bring influence into a broken world that's what we are here for and as we get this identity of jesus in us and our responsibility out in the community i'm sure that god is going to come grace us as we walk humbly to look for miracles but hey wisdom builds the house wisdom will build this house wisdom will build god's house here wisdom will build every house that you touch every area that you have an influence over let us pray father god we thank you thank you for the gift of salvation father god we come in awe of your 
majesty, Father God. We, we come in with humility, Father God. We position ourselves, Father God. We ask that you come, give us a fresh revelation of our kingdom purpose in the house, Father. We thank you and we honor you for the opportunity to build your king, your house here, Father. But what a great privilege to build your kingdom outside, to be able to be an influence outside, Father God. We pray that as you use us, touch every every house that we we impact every place that we are, Father God. We, we do that. Everything that we do brings about a righteous harvest that adds glory to your name, to glory to your kingdom. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.